0: اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وراقه للمتقين ولا عدوان الا على الظالمين واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له Welcome to another episode of our tafsir page by page, inshallah ta'ala. Today we are on page 47 of the Qur'an, which is towards the very end of Surah Al-Baqarah in the third juz. In the previous episode, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentioned to us a number of verses that extolled the virtues of Sadaqah and spending in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah Azza wa mentioned a number of the etiquettes of giving as well as a number of parables and examples that Allah Azza set forth concerning those people who spend in the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And no doubt as we know giving Sadaqah spending in the way of Allah, جل, sacrificing some of your wealth to please your Lord and Creator, to help the poor and the needy and other people who may require some of that wealth, it is from the greatest acts of worship that a person can perform, at least because it is something which shows your willingness to sacrifice for the sake of your Lord and to submit to His command, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it is also something which helps the community at large. And one of the major uh, objectives of the Sharia, one of the major foundations of the Sharia is built upon brotherhood and upon this communal obligation that we have towards one another, the societal contract that we have with one another, and that is that we help those who are less fortunate, those who are in need, those who require our assistance. In the verses that we're going to cover today, or in some of them at least, Allah subhanahu wa Taala will now speak about the opposite of, in many ways, of charity. If charity is something in which you give, you don't expect anything back. As we said before, the best form of charity is the one that is done with the purest of intentions, in which you don't hold any favor over the recipient. You don't uh, follow up your act of charity with any hurtful or harmful words or actions. In many ways, if that is the spirit of giving and helping, then the verse that we're going to begin with today is in many ways the opposite of that. And that is the issue of interest or usury, riba. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verse 275 Arubilla him in a shaitan regime. A ledina kulun e zibala kama ya kumul lehi ya taka batu shaitanum in el mess. There dika be an umkanu in a melbe rumith no ziba. Wahallah our hamad ziba. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the example now of those people who take usury and how they will be in their graves and on yawm al-qiyamah when Allah resurrects a person. And we know from the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi that usury, uh, and riba is from the major sins that a person can partake in. And in some hadith it is referred to as one of the the seven destructive or deadly sins. And that is because riba is essentially when you are not doing something out of the goodness of your heart. But in many ways, there is oppression uh, upon the, the vast majority of people who usually are not in the position to be able to give out money, to borrow money, to, to, if you like, uh, give that capital out to others to benefit from. And the recipient is in the situation where in often cases they are in need of money. But the contract that they're in, which is the usury contract, is that the person will now add interest upon that amount that they have borrowed. And this is just one of the forms of usury. There are many different forms. But just so that we can understand the concept that we're speaking about, they will ask for something back, which is more. So someone who's genuinely struggling, can't really afford much money, needs to borrow £100. They borrow £100 because they don't have £100. That £100 for them is difficult to see what to accumulate or to earn. So now they've borrowed £100 and they've been told that you can have it for two weeks, but when you give it back, you must give it back as 110. And if you don't give it back in two weeks as 110, then after a month it will be 120. And if you don't give it back as 120, then after six weeks it will be 130. And so this person was struggling to get the 100 in the first place. Now I must add 10, 20, 30, 40 and this continues on and on and on until they are able to pay it back and if they don't it just continues to burden them with debt and more debt and more debt and so this is one of the ways. In which usually is therefore something which is difficult for many people. And as we know, in the societies that we live in, especially those of us that live in the West, where there is a capitalist system in terms of the way that the economy runs, we know that there are many people who are suffering in terms of the debt that they've accumulated via their credit cards and via their loans and, and agreements that they've made. And because of that, they're struggling financially. They can pay the minimum amount that's due, so maybe they have to pay 20, 30 pounds a week, they pay that amount, that's something which they can do, but all the while that money is accumulating interest, so now rather than the 1,000 pounds that they borrowed, they end up paying 1,200 pounds, 200 pounds more than they could initially afford anyway. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes riba in terms of the way that that person who partakes in riba, and there are a number of people, all of them are included in that contract, whether you're the one who's taking the money or you're the one giving the money, or you're part of the contract. All of those people are from the people that Allah and His Prophet cursed in terms of riba. He says, Subhanahu wa ta'ala, for those who take usury will rise up on the day of resurrection like someone tormented by shaitan's touch. Meaning that they won't be able to walk steady. Someone who's possessed. Or someone who's drunk, for example, who's under the intoxication, severe levels of intoxication often can't walk in a straight line. When they walk, they can't keep their equilibrium or their balance because of the way that they've become intoxicated. Allah says that these people who partake in, in riba on Al qiyamah, when they stand, they will be like those people who are unbalanced. Those people who can't walk straight, those people who can't go in a straight line. And that is a day in which people will need their balance. As we know, when, for example, the believers go, or the people go on the bridge that Allah will place upon Jahannam, it is something which is finer than a strand of hair, sharper than the tip of a sword. You need your balance on that day. So Allah says, <laughs> That is because these people say, and as we know in our time, there are people who come up with justifications as to why usually is good or it's beneficial or it's okay or it's not such a big deal. And so this is the reasoning that they give. riba, <inaudible> Buying and selling transactions, trade is like riba. It's one and the same thing. You're making money when you buy a product and someone sells a product to you and you buy it from them. And like always, we're making money from in terms of the usury. The difference between the two is that when it comes to buying and selling products, you're paying for something that you return its value, the value that it's that that's given to it. So, for example, if a book is worth ten pound, you pay the ten pound because that's the value of the book. No one says to you ten pound, but next week you have to give me another ten pound, and in three weeks you have to give me another. £10. So you buy the book, it's finished, it's done. But when it comes to usury, you're saying to that person, no, you're going to take for me 10 pound and I want 11 in return, 15 in return, 20 in return. And so it's not the same as buying transactions or, or buying in that way. Allah says, And this should be sufficient for the believer irrespective of what people may say economically, financially, those people who may benefit from these types of transactions that they are usually the minority as opposed to the majority. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa ta'ala says, it is enough that Allah has allowed trade and forbidden usury. That's enough for the believer. It is something which Allah Azzawajal has made haram. We know that it is from the cursed sins, the major sins in the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. For the believer, that should be enough. And that is why Allah then says, Whosoever on receiving Allah's warning stops taking usury may keep his past gains. Indeed, Allah will be his judge. So if someone has done this before they accepted Islam, or when these verses were revealed in the time of the Prophet, they were people who used to engage in this practice before it was made haram, then those people they can take their profits and keep them. Allah says that was before they knew, before they became Muslim, before they had knowledge. That's a different issue. And that is why the Prophet in his farewell hajj, in one of his famous sermons, he mentioned that indeed every single type of usury contract is now abolished. No more in Islam. And the first such usury contract that I will abolish is the one of my own uncle al Abbas Ibn Abdul Muttalib radiallahu an. Because those Quraysh also used to partake in this is a way of making easy money. If you're someone who has a great deal of wealth or you have a good deal of wealth, it's something where you make money and that's why people put their money in banks into those types of in, uh, in accounts in which there is usually that is being accumulated, there is interest that is being made on it. Because it's an easy way of having your money sit there and it's just making money for you. But that is something which Allah has forbidden. So if it's done before the reminder of Allah came to you, meaning before you knew, before you accepted Islam, then it's okay. What happens in the past days, in the past Allah forgives it. in Allah اللَّهِ affair is with Allah. وَمَنْ aada, But whoever goes back and continues to partake in it, فَأُولَٰئِكَ النَّارُ Then those people are the people of the fire, whom فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ They will remain therein. And that is what makes it a major sin. A major sin according to the majority or some of the scholars of Islam is any sin in which there is a threat of punishment that has been attached to it. Allah's curse, Allah's anger, Allah's wrath, Allah's punishment, the punishment of the fire, anything, any sin that has an attachment of it to a threat of punishment, that is then considered to be a major sin. Allah may punish anyone for any sin, but if the sin alongside it, you are told Allah curses such people, those are the people of the fire, those are the people that Allah is angry with, and so on and so forth, that turns it now from any type of ordinary sin into what we consider to be a major sin. In the next verse Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in 276 tells us one of the reasons as to why uh, riba and usury is something which Allah Azza wa dislikes. Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says riba sadaqat la Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala says indeed Allah blights usury meaning he takes away from it any type of blessing. But blesses charitable deeds with multiple increase indeed Allah does not love the ungrateful sinner. One of the major harms of usury is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even though this person is taking more wealth and making more money seemingly on the outside Allah azza wa is removing any type of blessing from their wealth and from their provision and that is more important to the believer the blessing of Allah azza wa is more important to the believer even if the amount is small the blessing of Allah is more important to the believer than the greater amount that is devoid of any blessing and so when you earn something which is halal which is pure which is good then Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la places blessing in it and there is blessing in it that you see and not necessarily blessing in terms of it becomes more in money or wealth or quantity but blessing in the way that your family benefits from it and that you benefit from it and the inner peace and tranquility that you find as a result of it as opposed to those people who just take money by hook or by crook halal haram they don't care they just gather 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 and they may have more in terms of quantity but in terms of the inner peace and blessing and, 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 and tranquility, in terms of the blessing that they see for themselves, their family and so on, they will find that that has been removed. Yamhaqullahu Allah says that riba is something which will take away and blight your wealth and take away any type of blessing from it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next verse 277, then tells us the one of the greatest ways of remaining steadfast upon his path subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that is that Allah says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ Amanu وَعَمِنُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَةِ وَأَقَامُوا wa وَآتَوُوا الصَّلَةَ Lahum أَجْرُهُمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ وَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا Hum يَحْزَنُونَ Those who believe and do good deeds, they establish the prayer and they pay the zakah, all of them will have their reward with their Lord, no fear for them, nor will they grieve. One of the greatest ways of staying away from the haram Allah tells us in this verse. And sometimes in the Quran you will find that Allah mentions a topic. The beginning of the topic and the end of the topic are the same but in the middle of those verses there is a verse that doesn't seem to be directly related. So Allah may sometimes in the middle of a story of one of the prophets interject something else. A issue that doesn't seem related to the theme of the story of the Prophet of Allah for example. And you will find examples of this in numerous places in the Qur'an, Allah often does this. When this happens in the Qur'an, when you have this interjection where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed a verse that is not about the general theme or subject that is being discussed, you should stop and pause and reflect upon this. Because there is usually a very important principle that Allah is bringing to your attention. That in this general story, the theme, the subject, the benefit that you should take, one of the greatest ways to achieve it is now being mentioned in this particular in this particular verse because of the principle that you can derive from it so for example, here these verses are about riba the verses before the two verses before have spoken about interest and in usury riba, and the verse after this will go back to riba, but in the middle of this Allah Azzawajal now says, those who believe, do good deeds, establish the prayer, give the zakah they will have their full reward. What does that have to do with riba? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is essentially telling us that one of the greatest ways of staying away from any haram, any major sin, is to stick with that which Allah azza wa has told you from your obligations. And in particular, particularly, the two obligations that Allah azza wa are, the two pillars of Islam that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions in this verse, and that is establishing the prayer and giving the zakah. Allah Azzawajal loves those who establish the salah. And Allah Jal loves those who give the zakah. And Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala from the blessings that He bestows upon those people is that He keeps them upon the straight path, keeps them away from that which is haram. If you're a person who is diligent in your salah, who, who preserves your salah, you make sure that you pray at, a, at the correct time. You make sure that you have made wudu correctly. You make sure that you're someone who tries your best to pray for example in congregation in the masjid if you're a man. You make sure that you pray your salah in the way that the Prophet used to offer. you your diligent when it comes to your salah. It's something which is your major preoccupation of the day. You make your day revolve around your salah as opposed to making your salah revolve around your day. You're from those people who puts in that time and effort and you're conscious of your salah and you put in that care and attention towards your prayer, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us elsewhere in the Qur'an, Inna tanha anil Fahsha'i wal munkar," That indeed the salah prevents you from evil and sin, but it is for those types of people. Not the person who's not due, who doesn't give it its due diligence and care, but then is reminded or prays late or waits for the time to elapse and so on. Those people don't really find the great benefits of salah. They don't really find the way that the salah should impact them in terms of their character and their belief and their action and their worship and so on. However, those people who are diligent in their salah, Allah Azza promises them that it will keep them away from haram. So Allah Azza says, yes, usually these types of, of of sins like riba are very enticing, they're very beautiful on the from the outside, they seem like they make sense, because why wouldn't I want more money, why can't I put my 10,000 pound into account and over time make a couple of hundred pounds with it just sitting there, why can't I use this money and make more money just simply by borrowing money out to people and getting more in return, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying don't do so, it's going to take away the blessing. It's going to bring Allah's curse and wrath. It's going to give you punishment from Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la. Stay away from it, but rather focus on that which is pleasing to Allah Azzawajan. And that is that you should use your wealth in the way that Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la is pleased with. Yes, spend it upon yourself, your family in the way that is halal, and give some of it in sadaq and charity to those who are less fortunate than you. Establish the salah, give the zakah. What do you have in return? You will have the reward of your Lord, and the reward of your Lord is left as a general reward. Allah doesn't specify one or another because Allah's rewards are many, and they are plentiful, and they are great. Each and every single one of them. And if you focus on that reward, then what you may lose in terms of wealth or money or any other type of worldly benefit, it becomes less and less significant to you because you're focusing on a greater prize, and that greater prize. Is the love of Allah Azza wa the reward of Allah Subhanahu taala the safety that Allah Azza wa gives as He says, "Wala kufun alayhim, wala hamihzanun." No, there will be no fear upon them, nor will they grieve. In verse two hundred and seventy-eight, Allah Subhanahu taala then says, going back to the issue of riba and usury, "Ya ayyuha aladzina amanu taqulla wa daru ma bakiya min alribain kun tum O oh, you who believe, beware of Allah, fear Allah, be conscious of Allah, give up any outstanding dues of usury if you are truly believers. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the express command that makes riba haram. And that is that Allah azza says, O oh, you who believe in Allah, who fear Allah, who are conscious of Allah and constantly aware of Him subhanahu wa ta'ala, leave any type of riba. And Allah says here, مَا بَقِيَ مِنَ Riba, Even the outstanding small amounts of riba, let alone starting a new contract, engaging into a new transaction of riba and so on. That's like the major thing. Allah is saying even the small remnants of riba, the small outstanding stuff that's remaining, leave that. And Allah often does this in the Quran because if you're told to leave the small stuff, then clearly the major stuff should be well out of bounds. Allah is saying, leave even the small stuff that most people aren't, aren't even really uh, cognizant of, they're not really aware of, they don't really focus on. People focus on the big stuff, they ignore the small stuff. Allah is saying, when it comes to riba, stay away even from the small stuff. In kuntum minin, if you are truly believers. And this verse therefore is the command from Allah that outright, very clearly and plainly tells us to stay away from riba. So for someone then to come and say, no, it's okay in one way or another. And I know that there is discussion over some issues and scholars have given fatwas and so on. And you should take, make due diligence and go to those scholars when you have those questions. When you are engaged in something, for example, and you need an Islamic verdict, then go to a scholar that you trust in terms of the iman and their knowledge and speak to them and ask them concerning that issue. That is maybe the exception to the rule. Or maybe there are certain circumstances that are unavoidable depending on where you live and what your circumstances may be. But the general rule is that you stay away from it and that's why it is something which is very important as a general principle in the Sharia that yes, there may be exceptions or some scholars may give exceptions for one case here or one case there. That fatwa that is given is for that person, that individual and their circumstance. They went to the scholar with the question and the sheikh answered the question. He's speaking to that individual. Now what we do is we take that fatwa that was then put onto YouTube or onto a website or some type of Q&A platform and we think that it applies to everyone. But my circumstance may not be the same as the one who's asking the question his issue may be slightly different from mine I can't just go and extrapolate from his and say oh it's okay for everyone because that's not how uh, that type of fatwa works when someone goes to a, an individual scholar and so to understand the question and its context and then to take an answer is extremely important because we want to be safe when it comes to our religion when it comes to our worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and fulfilling our duties in verse two hundred and seventy-nine, Allah Azza wa says, "If you do not, meaning stay away from riba, the previous Commander Allah Azza wa Jalla gave in the last verse. If you do not stay away from it, then be warned of war being waged upon you from Allah and His Messenger Sallallahu This is the only sin." in the Quran and the sunnah in which a, uh, in which the one who perpetrates that sin or commits and performs that sin is under the threat of a war being waged upon them by Allah's messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam Allah declares war upon them and imagine if Allah was to declare war upon you then what possible chance of success do you have how can you possibly defeat Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so this shows to you the gravity of the sin that is usury that is so easy to conduct and become part of, Allah Azza is saying to do it, Allah Azza will wage war upon you. Do you want to be an enemy, a combatant, an opponent to Allah and his Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or in tubtum? But if you repent and turn to Allah, your wealth, your capital is yours. Meaning, Allah doesn't say to you from the wealth that you earned in a halal way that you have to all give it away in sadaqa, that you can't use it, that you can't benefit from it, that you can't buy stuff and luxuries with it. No, it's halal, use it in a halal way. Use that wealth to invest, use it in business, do whatever you want, but stay away from the few things that Allah has made haram, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Use it without suffering loss or causing it to others. Allah doesn't want you to become poor. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want you to become someone who's destitute, doesn't have money penniless. But at the same time, don't cause harm to others. You wouldn't be, want to be the one that's in that type of debt if the tables were turned. None of us would want to be in that situation where we're every week having to pay more and more and more because we can't even pay off the initial amount, let alone the interest that is accumulated. Don't be from amongst those people that doesn't like it for themselves, but they want it upon others. And that is why it is one of those things which go against the embodiment of the Islamic spirit. The Islamic spirit is that we love for others what we love for ourselves. I would never want my mum, my dad, my child, my friend to be in that situation, myself to be in that situation. So then why would I want others to be in a similar situation? Don't they have parents? Don't they have children? Don't they have dependents? Don't they have other problems and issues that they're dealing with? Why would I place them in a situation where now they're in even more debt when they couldn't even find the initial amount of money? People don't borrow money, usually speaking on on a small level, individual level, because they have the money sitting in the bank and they just want to take it from others. It takes a level of humility and humbleness and a level of shame to go to someone and ask them to help you financially. And so therefore beware of these issues. In verse 280, Allah says, وَإِن كَانَ ذو عُسرَةٍ إِلَى مَيسَرَةً خيرٌ لكم إن كنتم تعلمون. Allah Azzawajal tells us the way that the Muslim should be. And he says that if the debtor is in difficulty, then delay things until matters become easier for him. Still, if you were to write it off as an act of charity, that would be better for you if you only knew. Rather than taking more money, when it comes to debts, I borrowed someone 100 pounds but I want 110 back. That's not the way it should be. How should it be? That if that person can't even pay the £100, because I'm not asking them for more, You gave, I borrow you 100 you pay me 100 back. We agreed, three months. After three months, he comes to me and he says, look, I just can't pay this. I need more time. It's difficult for me. Here's £30, that's all I could save. The other 70 I will need more time. This person isn't messing around. They're not a person who's lazy. They're not a person who's trying to just sit at home and live off the, the sadaqah of other people and so on. This person is genuinely trying, but their circumstances are their circumstances. That is the person that we call Mu'sir in Islam. Not the person who isn't working or not trying or is just messing around or delaying you for no good reason. Those people, the Prophet ﷺ said that they're sinful and he mentioned their punishments in the sunnah anyway. We're talking about people who are genuinely in difficulty. Allah Azza says that if someone is in that difficulty difficulty, Fanadirah, give them more time. That is the way that the believer should be. And Allah will forgive a person who did very little good in the dunya, as the Prophet told us وسلم, but one of the good aspects that he did have in his character is if he borrowed money to someone and that person couldn't pay him off, he would give them more time. And if they still couldn't pay off after a while, he would just say, you know what? It's okay, just take it. Or he would say, just give me half back and I'll let you off the other half, or something similar. So Allah will forgive him for all of his sins because Allah will say that I have more right to that characteristic than he does. That you forgive, that you pardon, that you overlook, that you're gentle with people and that you're good and kind towards them. And that is what Allah Azzawajal says, so give them time. وَأَن تَصَدَّقُوا And if you're even more charitable, then that is better for you. Let them half off. Let them a quarter off, three quarters off, two thirds off, say to them, pay what you can and give the rest away. Or just say to him, it's okay. Leave the rest. I don't need that money back. Alhamdulillah, Allah, Azza wa Jal has given me enough. And you are in genuine. I can see your genuine situation is that you're in that type of difficulty. And that is why Allah Azza wa Jal, concludes this. Uh, we conclude this page with verse 281. And that is the statement of Allah subhanahu wa taala. Allah Azza wa Jal, says, Beware of the day when you will return to your Lord. For every soul will be paid in full for what it has earned, and none will be wronged. This, according to a number of the companions of the Prophet and scholars of Islam, was the final verse to be revealed of the Qur'an. And that is that Allah says here, Fear the day that you will return to Allah. It is easy when you're looking just in the lens of the dunya to want more, to be very difficult and harsh with people, to say to them, no, I'm not going to give you more time to repay me, or I want more in return, or whatever it may be. Allah says, Always remember that you will stand before Allah. And if you fear that day and you're conscious of that standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that you will be repaid in full in terms of your deeds, whether good or bad, then that will make you stop and pause and think again in terms of what it is that you're going to be doing. And that is why Allah mentions this verse here when it comes to the way that we deal with the people and their situations and the difficulties that they may be facing. If you are kind and good towards people, Allah will be good towards you and if you are difficult with people and harsh with them then Allah azza wajal may be harsh with you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who knows best may Allah azza wajal bless you all and inshallah ta'ala until our next episode barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wassalamu alaikum rahmatullahi wa barakatuh